Hello, and welcome to the Acting Notes Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things acting, from tips and tricks to business information. I'm your host, Justin Powell, and today we are going to be talking a little bit about auditioning. Now, this is a topic that could be discussed for a very, very long time. I mean, this is probably something you talk about at least for two hours or so, if not more. Honestly, you could talk about it more. There's so much to cover, but I'm just going to kind of go through a basic rundown of my thoughts on the audition process and how to approach it as an actor, what to do when you get an audition, learning lines, etc., etc., etc. So let's get into it. So what do you do when you get an audition? The first thing that you should do, that I always do when I get an audition, is you research the writer, the director, and the producers of the project. Now, why should you do this? Well, because when you research the writers, the directors, and the producers, you can start to see what kind of work they like to do. Now, not every creator is making the same genre or style every single time, but you can still find through lines through their work. And it also helps you to understand the tone that they might be going for in this new project. Because, of course, we know there's drama or comedy, but there's so many different variations within those, right? So if you research what the writer has worked on before, what the director has worked on before, and what the producers have worked on before, you're going to have a better understanding of what they're looking for in this work, of what they're looking for in the part and the type of story they're trying to tell and how you can then fit into that story. So that's the first thing you can do. Get on to IMDb Pro, check out their stuff. I've even had friends who have told me only if they really love the script, that they will reach out to the writer after the fact just to comment on that, just to make a connection with someone that they connected with their work. I don't know if that sentence was constructed very well, but they reach out to someone whose work they very much connected with and just share that with them. I've done that for a couple of projects in the past. You know, it's not a guarantee of future work or anything, but I don't think you should be networking with that in mind anyway. You should network with people who you are inclined to work with, whose artistic tastes match your own and that you genuinely would want to work with. And so I have gotten responses and even had some moments where I've been called in for auditions from those same people. But that only happened because I was able to look through their other work as well, because I took the time to do so. So make sure you do that for your audition, right? You'll understand the tone better. You might have a better understanding as to what they want. The next thing is breaking down the sides. Now, if you get the full script, read the full script. I know a lot of actors that get that full script and they just ignore it. And I, it blows my mind. If you get the full script, you should read the full script. And I understand we don't all have time in the day. It's tough to find time. You know, for me, I read pretty fast. But even for me, reading a full script is about an hour time commitment. But find ways to get it done. You know, maybe you don't read it all at once. Maybe you read 10 minutes in the morning when you have a chance. You have a break at lunch. You read that during your lunch break instead of throwing on another episode of The Office. Find a way to get it done. There's also apps that can read Uh, PDFs for you 
Not the most fun way to read a script, but you get to learn about the character. And that's what's most important, right? Is understanding the story and where your character fits into that story. So if you get the full script, definitely read it. If you don't get the full script and you just have the sides to go off of, spend your time going over them, you know? Read it over and over and over again. And start to find, you know, I always trust that first read a lot. So take your time with that one in particular and see what impulses, what thoughts, what uh, ideas arise as you read through that one. Because that's probably what you're going to want to hold on to as you continue this process. The next thing I like to do is break down that script into a very simple way to approach it. Very simple screen screen analysis. Very simple scene analysis. I'm looking at a screen right now, so that's why I guffawed there. That's not even a word. Man, I am on one today. I'm just killing this. (laughs) But yeah, I break down the script in a very simple way. The scene, the sides, in a very simple way. I picked up these questions, but there are variations of these questions from a lot of different acting coaches and books. But I picked these ones up from Jeff Seymour, who has a great podcast called The Real Life Actor. I highly recommend you check that out. A very hands-on approach a realistic approach to acting that doesn't get so much into the highfalutin philosophy of it and more so grounds you in what you need to know to perform. Really frees you as an actor too. I think, you know, I've recommended books in the past to people and I do love acting books. I'm a big fan of them and reading theory. I find it very interesting. But I also know that it can cause actors to get a bit heady with their work. To feel like, oh, I need to know exactly what my objective is and I need to be playing the opposite and having masks and like all of this stuff that as a human you never think about, right? You're just in the moment. You're just trusting your responses because you're not even thinking about them, really. You're just reacting to what's around you. You know, an example I like to use is if a gunman were to run into your uh, bank or wherever you are, and you're, you're not going to pause the gunman and say, hold on, I need to emotionally prep for this. I, I'm not going to react well enough if I don't. You don't know how you would react, you know? You might scream. You might stare blankly just in shock. You might instantly duck. You might laugh just out of stress and panic at the situation. You don't know. But you're also not judging your reaction. However you react in that moment is going to be truthful. Because you're reacting to that circumstance. All that to say, I like Jeff's method for approaching auditions in particular because I think it's a lighter way to come at the role. It's a lighter way to keep yourself flexible to move with whatever impulses arise. So these are the nine questions that Jeff Seymour recommends you ask. You're going to ask, who are you? Where are you? Who else is in the scene and what is your relationship to them? What is happening? What's the problem? What do you want? Why should you get what you want? What's stopping you from getting it? And how do you plan to get it? So those are the nine questions. And I find that they really make it easy to just ground yourself into the scene. 
You know what you want. You know why you should get what you want, which I think is actually one of the most important questions he puts there. And another thing he recommends, and I love this, by the way, it's worked so well for me, is that when you're answering these questions, you don't have to write down a bunch of stuff. No. Answer them as though you're talking to your closest friend. Someone that you don't have a filter around, that you can be completely honest with. Answer them like that so that you can really ground it in a reality that exists within you, that you understand. I always find that to be really helpful when I do it. The next thing you're going to do, well, actually, it's a question about auditions. It's really a question. In fact, I was just listening to a old SAG-AFTRA conference. I don't think it's a conference. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, Q&A seminar with a bunch of top acting coaches in Los Angeles. And one of the questions that came up was, should you be memorized for auditions? Hmm. And it was different for a lot of them. Though there was some cohesiveness as well. Uh, Howard Fine said, you should always be memorized no matter what. I think that's the ideal. I always try to be memorized for my auditions. As off book as I can get. However, what do you do when you get an audition at 8 o'clock at night and you have to have it in tomorrow morning? Or you have to go in tomorrow morning? Should you spend all night memorizing 10 pages of material? That's where the real debate came in, in that video. Again, Howard Fine said, yes, absolutely. Memorize. That's what you do. You're an actor. Memorize. But every other person on the panel, Leslie Kahn, Margie Haber, another acting coach whose name I don't remember at the moment. I watched this about a week ago, so I apologize. I will put all their names in the description of this podcast if you'd like to check them out. But they all said, no, don't be memorized. They're not expecting you to be memorized when you go in tomorrow. They're not expecting you to be memorized if they're watching your self-tape. It's 10 pages. What's more important, how you spend those hours that evening getting ready for this, is sitting with the character. You know, finding your way there. Living the life of the character. Something you can do if you're traveling to an audition. If you're going on the subway, you have to drive there, it's in person. Just try to turn on that light switch of the character as you're going. That's a really great way, I think, to look at, or at least one that has worked for me. I'm always hesitant about being declarative with acting advice because some things work for me that don't work for other people. Some things work amazing for other people that don't work for me. And the same thing for all of you out there, right? There's going to be certain similarities that we have that seem to help us click into the role. But then there's going to be differences, and even that can change, right? That is fluid. Something that works for me today might not work for me tomorrow. Every role requires something different. So I try not to be too declarative with my acting advice. Please keep that in mind. Because I don't want to have to say it every single time. But I probably will. Anytime it comes up, I'll say it. 
But something that works for me is this idea of the switch of the character. That at any moment I can kind of turn on the lens of the character I'm playing. Put that over my eyes and now I'm seeing through the character's eyes. As I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. As I'm washing dishes. As I'm driving. As I'm walking down the street. Whatever it is. But it starts to build for me a trust in the character. A trust that that is always right there. It's not something I have to work to get to. That it's right there for me. And again, so much of character is just yourself. You know, speaking of Jeff Seymour from earlier, one of the things I loved about it, about his class in particular and his podcast, was how he said, look, character is dictated by the lines and the actions you do. So, I mean, if your character robs someone, then we're going to have a negative opinion of that person. You know, I guess depending on the story, right? We don't, we all like Robin Hood. But that we don't have to put so much pressure on trying to like, you know, come up with a certain walk or gesture, or all of these different nuances, trying to get so far away from ourselves because we, we don't want to get away from ourselves. We want to bring ourselves to the role. So the more you add on and put on as like weight on you, like I have to walk, this character has a scar here, so I have to scratch at my eye at this moment so everyone knows. I think there's a gift in the anonymity, anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> anonymity. And the anonymity that comes with acting, right? Because not everyone knows you very personally. So whereas you might watch your performance and think like, that's just me. I'm just being myself. Someone else is watching that with no idea of who you are as a person and being taken into the story by the fact that you're being truthful and saying the words of the character and doing the actions of the character. So we can take some of the pressure off of ourselves there, right? Keep it a little bit more simple. Now, back to the memorizing. I just want to say, again, I think you should be off book if you can. But it shouldn't take priority over the work, right? It shouldn't take priority over you understanding the character and having something to present or say when you go into the room or self-tape. That's most important. If you can get the lines down as well, then that is ideal. And I think it also depends on the time. You know, if you have three days to prepare, then yeah, get off book. You know, get off book. Because then you can dance with it a bit more, right? Something else, you know, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it it does come up, especially on in-person auditions, is what do I do when the reader's not giving me anything? What do I do then? You use it. You use it. You know, what does your character want? Let's say your character wants the truth. That's a common one, right? Your character feels like they've been deceived. They want the truth from this person. Well, if you build that up, why you need that truth, if you make it desperate enough and you're begging this person to tell you the truth and they're giving you nothing, they're barely looking at you. Imagine if this was happening in life. You're talking, because that's, that's the best way to view a lot of this, right? Is what if this happened in my life? That's the magic if. But if that was happening in life, if you were needing the truth from someone, and they were acting blasé, not even looking at you, you're in this desperate place wanting something so badly, and they, they, they're not even giving you the time of day? Well, that would start to activate me. And I think it would start to activate you as well. So use that. Use whatever is there. 
See if you can get a reaction out of them. Do something. Don't let it just pull you back. Or even feel like you have to deal with like some imaginary version of what they're giving you. Deal with what's real, with what's tangible and right in front of you. Bounce off them. So something we always hear as actors is you got to make a bold choice in your audition. A choice that stands out. How do you stand out in the audition? That's something, you know, I do a lot of casting director workshops. Every single time that is a question that is asked. How do you make your audition stand out? How do you stand out? Well, I think if you want to stand out in your auditions, first off, you make a choice that's true to you, right? There's no one else in this world like you. If you make a choice that's true to you, that's naturally going to have some standout ability because no one can do it like you. The other thing that you can do is go against the grain a little bit. You know, if you're reading a scene that seems as though it's begging for a big argument where they're shouting at each other at the top of their lungs, try doing it quiet. Try it. Try it quiet and intense and just see how that goes. Try a crazier choice. Try to introduce some chaos into your choice. You know, a lot of time casting directors just want to see that you make a choice and run with it. That you don't half-ass it, you know? This is going to have to be a mature podcast now because I said that. Well, so be it. I'm getting edgy today. But yeah, make a choice that scares you a little bit. That you don't know whether or not it's right. You don't have to do this every time. And it also, of course, depends on the role. You know, if you're reading for a one-line co-star saying, yeah, can I have a tall latte? Then maybe don't take that as an opportunity to scream it at the top of your lungs like you're Marlon Brando shouting Stella. I have a tall latte! (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's not the time to go for the crazy choice. But if you're reading for something a bit more substantial, a role that's a bit bigger, then try to approach it in a way that you find interesting. In a way that maybe goes a little bit against how it's written. And then just go with that choice. Go fully into it. Whatever that is. Now, will that stand out to the casting director? It might. Every casting director is different, you know? And one thing we can't do as actors is start to fall into the trap of trying to guess what the casting director wants. Because then you're not really operating from any sense of truth. You're operating from this need for approval which leads to stiff acting or choices that are uninspired. And that could still work, you know? I don't think it will, but it could. Sometimes you might just happen to desire their choice so much that you happen to hit on something they like, but that's not a winning recipe for success. In fact, I've heard some casting directors say, 
they've brought in people for the job who their first read was not close to what they wanted for the character, but they were so committed to the choice they made that they knew, oh, this person's a great actor. I just want to direct them a little bit. And when they brought them in for a callback where they were able to work with the actor a little bit, that's when they got the job. So ultimately, just make a choice that inspires you, one that you find interesting. And if you find one that's interesting to you that goes a bit against the grain of the scene, then that's even better. That's going to stand out a little bit more, right? Because if they watch a scene that's set up as a fight and every single audition tape that comes in or every single person that goes into the room is shouting at the top of their lungs and then you come in and you're quiet and methodical, still angry, just approaching it in a different way, well, that's going to stand out. They're going to remember that. And you know, just because this popped into my mind right now, I recently heard Florence Pugh say something that I just loved. I love her as an actress anyway. Um, But she talked about how when she would go into audition rooms early on, she would always wear something a bit gregarious, a bit flamboyant. Even though I think a lot of actors, including myself, usually approach that with like, I just want to wear like a black shirt and jeans. Just, you know, I'm going in like that. She said she always wanted to wear something a bit more flamboyant because then she stands out to them, right? Then they're saying, wait, who is that girl with the big flower in her ear? You know, and I I don't know if that's the best advice in the world. Obviously, you can go too far with that, but I don't think it hurts. I don't think it's a bad idea. And I know that's something that I'll probably try when I go to some in-person auditions. Right now, I'm mainly getting self-tapes. Though I do have an in-person callback coming up, so maybe I'll do it then. I'll wear a big flower just to follow Florence. Sorry if you hear me sipping my coffee, but I need it desperately. The last thing I want to talk about with auditions, and again, there's more There's more I could be talking about, but I, you can only talk for so long. I'm a tired fellow. I have things I have to do in my day. But I want to talk about the mindset you should have when you're approaching auditions. Now, a lot of actors, when we start out, feel this immense sense of pressure to book the job, right? We go into the room thinking, I have to book this job. But I don't think that's a great way to approach it. In fact, I I listen to so many acting interviews, and often when I hear actors who have made it, quote-unquote, talk about the audition process, that's something they bring up, was how a big shift for them came when they stopped viewing jobs like they had to book them and instead started viewing it in a different light. I love what Brian Cranston says about it when he says you should view your auditions as an opportunity to do the thing you love, to present your interpretation of the character, to act. Auditions are opportunities for you to do the thing you love, To go out there and act. And when you view it like that, when you view it as a chance to share your heart with the character and share that acting with people, which is what you want to do, right? That's why you got into the career. It becomes a much more enjoyable thing to approach. It becomes something that isn't this desperate need. I don't, I'm not going in there because I need the job. I'm going in there because I get to, right? I get to do this. And those subtle word shifts, those are helpful. We want to detach ourselves from the outcome, right? Now, 
I know that's not always easy. We get roles, we get auditions that we really want to book, whether it be for the job itself, for who we would get to work with, for the money. Let's not kid ourselves. Sometimes that money line looks pretty amazing. (laughs) But we have to try and detach ourselves from that. Because then we start to get tight. You know, we start to tighten up when we are thinking about all of these other reasons that we need the job. And we're not thinking about the story or the character. We want to stay detached and recognize that even if you get the job, you know, that's not going to solve all your problems. It's going to help maybe in some ways. But even, you know, I think sometimes we have this idea, and this is something... I'm going to get into a little psychoanalysis here for acting, which is fantastic. I love talking about this. Uh, There is a French psychoanalyst by the name of Jacques Lacan who had a theory around the mirror stage. And I I hope I'm not butchering this. I might be. But I'm going to try and get through this. So his theory was that when we are babies, we view the world in a subjective lens, right? We're just viewing the world through our perspective. And at some point, we look into a mirror And we see that we are not just a subject, we are also an object. Because before we look in that mirror, everything we see is an object of desire in some way, right? The toy that's silly and makes me laugh. The mommy or daddy that gives me love and protection. So everything else is an object except for us. And then we see that, oh wait, we are an object as well. We're a subject and an object, and the image we get of ourselves doesn't quite line up with the feeling of subjectivity that we have. And so we go through life with both this subject and outer object, this idea of who we are versus who we really are, and those two can never fully line up, but we think they can. And so we project out onto it, onto our life, that is. We think... Oh, once I book this job, then I will be the version of myself that I feel that I am. Once I date this person, then I will be the version of myself that I feel that I am. But when we get to those places, inevitably there's something further on. There's something more. There's always something more, right? The disease of more. That's not a relatable term in this case, but it sounds cool. But there's always something more that we want to pursue to be the quote-unquote best version of ourselves. And so even if you book the job, that's just going to make another desire pop up. There's just going to be a new object for you to pursue. You know, I'd taken classes in Los Angeles with John Markland, who is an amazing coach. And I remember him telling a story about a newer actor he was coaching who was dealing with imposter syndrome and just telling him that she felt crippled by it. That she could barely go into an audition room because she just felt like she didn't belong. And so John put her in contact with an actress he had been coaching on the side as well. Who was a series regular on a TV show. Who had made it in a lot of our views. I think it was an HBO show. And that actress was dealing with imposter syndrome. And it was so eye-opening to me. That you can have these artists who have 
either achieved a lot in their career or haven't really even started their career feeling the same feelings. Feeling that same sense of imposter syndrome. And so all of that is to say we have to detach ourselves from the outcome because the outcome isn't going to be this magic fix. There might be some fixes that come with it, but it's not going to fix everything. You have to detach yourself from it because if you instead put so much pressure on yourself, so much belief that once I book this job, everything will change, then it's going to tighten you up. You know, it's going to be tougher to be free and impulsive in the moment, which is where we want to be. So we want to be detached. We want to look at it as an opportunity to present our art. And I recently heard Kate Winslet say this. I love it. I'm stealing it from Kate Winslet. When you walk into that audition room, you walk in there thinking to yourself, they would be lucky to have me. How lucky they would be to have me. Now, you don't say that to them. You don't act cocky or anything. But just walk in with that level of confidence. That trust in what you would bring to this project. What you would bring to this role that no one else could bring. Believe in yourself like that. You know, I posted a video recently. I believe it was Kate Winslet as well. That was, it was this video. Oh my gosh. And it was her saying that. Her saying basically, yeah, believe in yourself. Because you need that. If you believe you're going to be an actor, you're going to be an actor. And so many people in the comments were hopping on saying, well, it doesn't take just that. It takes this and this and this and this and this. And I get that. And I don't think, you know, I'd love to live in a world where we could just, you know, post something without having to say everything, if that makes sense. I feel like a lot of times you'll say, for example, in this, yeah, you need to believe in yourself to be an actor. And everyone says, well, no, you also need connections. You need to work. You need, it's like, yeah, but... She didn't say you don't need those things. She just said you do need to believe in yourself, which I think is a pretty, you know, blanket statement of truth. So, of course, you need other skills, but if you don't believe in yourself, then those other things are not really going to manifest into anything all that productive, right? You have to believe in yourself. And so that should be your mindset when you go in. Believe you're going to kill that audition. Believe they'd be lucky to have you and believe what you are bringing to that project. Thanks for listening to the Acting Notes podcast. Again, I could keep talking about this. I feel like I kind of want to, but also I have to leave soon, so I can't. But thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts or questions or comments or suggestions for auditions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or TikTok at the Acting Notes. Or head over to YouTube at the Acting Notes channel where I upload videos. You know, I was trying to do twice a month. Given my current uh, work schedule, it's looking more like maybe once a month. But, you know, that's where we're at. I'm trying to focus more on the podcasts getting out on a weekly basis because that's a bit easier for me to get done. And it's a bit less production that I have to put into it. A bit less editing and things like that. So... Podcasts coming out on a weekly basis every Friday. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would help me so much and help the channel grow. And I would just honestly very much appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review. That would help people find the podcast. It would also let me know what you're enjoying about it and what you might not be enjoying about it. You know, I would love to grow. 
And I'm also curious as this continues because the growth is occurring for this channel. I just started this a couple months back and I'm really enjoying it. I'd love to turn it into basically the full-time job outside of acting, of course, and directing. Let me know if you'd be interested in a Discord, in something, some place rather, where we can gather a community of like-minded artists and actors and actresses where people can just share them share the craft you know i think a rising tide lifts all boats and that is my hope for this channel and my hope for you know a discord or just building a community out of this community i think is so important for artists so thank you for listening have a good day peace Thank you.